Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, it's Michael James Lauren with the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. A very special guest for tonight, Dr. Paul Nyquist. He's the president of Moody Global Ministries, a higher education and media ministry founded by evangelist D. L. Moody in 1886. He has a wonderful book, it's called Prepare, Living Your Faith in an Increasingly Hostile Culture, and he joins us in welcome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for having me on tonight. I look forward to being with you. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot, and uh, this is such a timely book. That's all I kept thinking about over and over again. What a timely book. I mean, because no matter where you are, the workplace or in government, and uh, it, it seems that where is the Christian voice uh, when there's increasingly hostile uh, information or politics or uh, we just don't seem to know what's going on sometimes. And, and if we look carefully, we see that uh, – we don't really have as many rights as, as we think, and it's important to know really what's going on. Tell me a little bit about your book. Well, Michael, this book was written to believers, uh, believers in this country, evangelicals who oh, have been uh, maybe believers for a good while and have seen and experienced what it means to live in a culture that, for the most part, embraced biblical values but now have seen a dramatic change. And um, this book is designed to try and help us all navigate our way through this uh, in a culture that I believe is already past the tipping point. I don't think we're going back to the good old days. I think that's all in the past. Uh, and the trends are just going to continue the way they're going unless God chooses to graciously revisit our country with a fresh spiritual revival. Um, barring that, I think this is what's ahead for us, and we need to get ready. Absolutely. And I love how in big letters it says prepare, you know, because I mean, there are a lot of uh, commands in, in Scripture, and prepare is certainly one of them. I mean, we are soldiers of the Lord, and um, it, it, we can be kind of passive, I think, and that's one of the things that I found interesting about your book is that we can sometimes, Christians, take a passive stance rather than realize that, wait a minute, you know, we have rights. Certainly that comes from the Bible, and, uh, and you know, there, it's that tension. Do we... What do we do? How do we get our voice out there? Do you think the media has way too much control of some of the agendas going on today? Well, the media certainly controls, I think, what people hear today. Now, whether that is truth and whether it's biased is, you know, depending upon a person's opinion. But they do have a lot of control over what people hear and help shape, help shape uh, public opinion and values. And so they're they're a piece of this. They're one of the tools, um, but this cultural change cannot be necessarily just pegged on the media. It's something that goes back. Well, I think the roots of it, as I researched, it goes back over a hundred years. It goes back in the late 1800s when Darwinism began to uh, influence how law was perceived in this land, how we interpret law. That affected then uh, the judicial system and. You know, we started seeing the fruit of that in the 30s and 40s, and then by the time we hit the 70s, well, you know, things were already starting to change. And now, well, the uh, the, the proof's in the pudding, laws are being passed, and uh, we have seen a culture completely change from the way it used to be. 
So the media has been a part of that, but it goes much deeper than that. Yeah, you mentioned here it says a Sonoma State University student must remove her two-inch tall cross necklace because her supervisor believed it would offend other students. It seems like the world today is very offended by by the uh, uh, by Jesus and by Christians and, and followers of Jesus. And uh, uh, you know, you've been a pastor for many many years, and of course now you're the president of, of Moody uh, Institute, Moody Bible Institute. What, what has been the slow change for you? I mean, I know that there's a lot of history in this book, uh, and as, as far as policy and mm-hmm. so forth, and all the changes. But for you personally, uh, what does it mean to you seeing all this change? How has it happened so gradually? Well, I think uh, it, it happens gradually if you maybe haven't been watching what is really going on. I mean, I use the example in the book of Rip Van Winkle who uh, wakes up and everything's changed and he didn't realize it. And I think that's really what cult, uh, Christians are starting to realize now. Maybe we've been sleeping a little bit culturally, not just aware of what's going on, and now we've woken up, uh, woken up and then, boy, it's, uh, it's a different country. Um, that's uh, some of those things you, you, you have no control over, others we do. But all, what I'm seeking to do is help people understand what it means to live godly now. Um, not pine for the good old days, not become angry and antagonistic, uh, or not capitulate either. But what does it mean to live godly in a culture that really doesn't want us around anymore? Uh, that's the important thing. I think that's what is God-honoring right now. Yes, and you mentioned to have compassion and not anger. And so these are ways that were tested. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for witnessing, wouldn't you say, as far as uh, with the kind of discussions that you hear today, a homosexual marriage uh, and on top of other uh, agendas that you see out there where the, where the Christian feels marginalized, uh, is this not a good time for us to, to witness uh, God's Word? Oh, it's absolutely the right time. And what happens in a culture that has become hostile toward us is believers tend to become quiet. We tend to close our mouths. We don't tend to speak as boldly as maybe we would because we're afraid. We know that there will often be consequences uh, to that, that the people don't want to hear what we have to say. Uh, certainly that's always been true to a certain level, but I think it's going to be even more so now. Persecution is all about silencing the voice. They don't want that voice being heard. And so if if they can silence you by just marginalize you or having you experience some economic consequences, that will be enough. But if you keep speaking up after that, then the persecution gets ramped up, and it can go from just you know, persecution to maybe even prosecution, and then the ultimate would be execution. So the whole idea is to silence your voice. And whatever that takes on this spectrum to accomplish that, uh, that's what's going to happen in a culture that no longer tolerates uh, the biblical view that we hold dear. And there's a tightrope that you mentioned as far as the government and the leaders and all authorities, of course, that uh, were put there by the Lord Jesus. And so, you know, how do you walk that tightrope as far as saying, well, I'm going to abide in, in what they say, the governmental leaders, but at the same time, you know, uh, I have a leader, his name is Jesus, and, and if it goes against uh, biblical principles, and so um, how, how do people reconcile that kind of dilemma? 
Well, and it is one that I believe we're going to all be facing in some capacity. If you follow Jesus Christ, if you hold to biblical authority, uh, then I believe you're going to be running into some uh, individual personal conflicts here in the near future. Uh, so what do we do? Um, you know, I think we would like to believe that the government is going to be there to uh, protect us as law-abiding citizens, as those who hold to truth. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned in the book, I don't believe that's going to be the case. That is the biblical role of government, that they are to reward those who do good and punish those who do evil. Um, but, you know, in our fallen world today, I don't think that's going to be the case. So we shouldn't expect that. I think instead we're going to see the government probably um, enforcing more things that are going to make it difficult for us as believers. So what do we do? How do we face that? Well, uh, I take a pretty narrow view on civil disobedience. Um, I think that um, we need to continue to obey God's, I mean, uh, man's law as law-abiding citizens, recognizing that the government has been placed uh, over us by God. It's his authority. When we yield to their authority, we're yielding to God. We need to always do that until... Their God, man's law forces us to disobey God's law. And at that point, uh, we need to have courage to do what the apostles said in Acts 5, that we must obey God, not man. Um, I think those times are going to come. And when they come, we need to recognize disobedience will bring consequences. We're likely going to be punished. Yeah, we're going to be likely punished. And that's not fun. It could be that God will choose to intervene and spare us from some of that, like he did the three Hebrew youths in Daniel chapter 3. But as even they said to uh, Nebuchadnezzar there, you know, uh, even if our God doesn't spare us, we're not going to bow down to you. And uh, that means being willing to face those consequences, as painful as they might be. Yes, and because a lot of people want to fit into the world, but, you know, that's where, when you think, of course, in the, the book of the Revelation, where that's really the time where, you know, you're going to follow the, the system of the world or where you're going to follow, even if your life depends on it, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, there's a lot at stake here. We are being tested, that is for sure. You begin with homosexual marriage because, really, if we're honest, you know, the fabric of our society has gone down uh, because that that's something that the Lord talks about, of course, in Sodom and Gomorrah. He makes a big deal about that right from the beginning. Um, and then, you, of course, you, you could tell you're an educator, and then he's not only the president of, of Moody Bible Institute, but you have uh, a lot of different... Uh, like Roe versus Wade, you have all the different uh, government sanctions. Uh, let's see here: Engel and Vitale, Roe versus Wade, yeah. Stone versus Graham. Uh, you're, right. you're really kind of teaching us how all this kind of happened, and, and we need to know how the decline uh, came about, and uh, how important is that that we should know history? Well, uh, I'm trying to to explain to people. I mean, when the, the first question is, how did this happen? Because again, we didn't see it taking place and then they wake up and our supreme court has made uh gay marriage the law of the land and um they're just wondering how could these things be because this is not the values i hold so i'm trying to show there the legal path that was taken and it was very gradual in some of the cases but 
uh, once you start, uh, you know, taking a view of law that it's always uh, evolving, that there is no absolutes, and it's a case-by-case stu- uh, change as, ca- you know, as they study cases within law schools today. And, uh, you know, as once you uphold individual rights over that of the community, I mean, all kinds of things happen. And that's what I'm seeking to show there uh, in that path, which leads us then to where we are today. When I wrote that book, uh, you know, the decision by the Supreme Court, the SCOTUS decision, had not yet been made, but I knew it was inevitable. And, um, you know, and I, it's not going to be the end. There are going to be more decisions coming down um, because uh, this is where everything's going. And they're going to be even harder and harder for us to take. I think we're going to see religious liberties, religious freedoms continue to erode, to disappear. And uh, some of the things that we've enjoyed in the past are going to be taken away. Uh, So get ready uh, because uh, that's where our country is going, where Europe is, where Canada is. They're all 10, 20 years ahead of us. That's where we're going. Yes, you mentioned also about comfortable Christians and kind of what's happened here in the churches because, um, you know, let's face it, we haven't gotten really, I mean, Moody Bible Institute is very biblical, okay? With that, you know, and of course, on the radio that we know, you preach the word. Um, but, you know, across uh, America, it may be watered down just a bit and we have comfortable Christians and coffee's okay, but, you know, getting so comfortable and talking about God and shorts and coffee and and we can we can get a little too uh comfortable and uh what do you think that plays a big part as far as not really being prepared for a book like this well we have been in a culture for now 250 years that has for the most part embraced uh, biblical values uh, you know while i wouldn't say that all of our founding fathers were uh, true believers in Jesus Christ, there were still some strong biblical values that were woven into this country and its constitution and society. Okay, when you have a culture like that, it's going to make it easy to be a cultural Christian because that is uh, what our society has embraced. Uh, but that is now disappearing. Uh, I don't think we have a a, a Christian culture here anymore. It's it's pagan, it's uh, secular, it's humanistic, and and so the day of the casual Christian, I think, is is gone. Uh, you aren't going to be able to, um, you know, stand on the fence on these issues. There, you're going to be forced to, uh, you know, give your allegiance one way or another. And uh, so there'll be some that will capitulate, um, that will yield and, um, you know, change their views and give up, uh, you know, what the Bible says. Um, But the others are going to be, you know, those of us who who stand on the Word of God, we have no choice. Um, And we have to, I think, honor God's Word and then decide, okay, uh, whatever that means for me, I guess uh, that's what God has for me. And one of the things I mentioned in, the, in this book is that that's a good thing. You know, um, mm. the the suffering that comes in the midst of persecution is not a bad thing. It's not a curse. It's a blessing because God does something in our lives through persecution, through suffering. Over and over again, He says, "Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake." 
why would he say that? Because he's doing something in our lives. There's a perfecting there go, that goes on. There's a discipleship that goes on that cannot happen in the absence of suffering. And so the rest of the world, our brothers and sisters around the globe who have been persecuted for years and for centuries and since even the beginnings of the church, they already understand this. Now, we've been the anomaly here in the United States. We've been the ones who have been spared this for whatever reason in God's sovereign will. But that's changing, and now we're joining the party. We're going to be suffering, you know, maybe not to the same level, but at least to some degree like uh, our other brothers and sisters. And there's some good things, I think, that we'll, God will do in our lives because of that. Yes. And getting back to the book of the Revelation, it seems in, in that comfortable Christian kind of setting you were talking about that uh, we can't really understand that type of persecution for believing in Jesus. And, and you're kind of preparing us for that in, in your book because, uh, you know, you make a very good case for all the decline that's that's happened. And we're going to have to fight uh, Christians for our, uh, you know, our faith and, and, uh, and not given to the uh, the way of the world. It's amazing, though, how things have changed, though, how uh, all of a sudden we're not tolerant. And well, the agenda, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, well, no, I was going to say that, you know, it, it's it's funny how there's a spin there because, you know, it, it's okay when God says certain things, let's say if the Lord, and uh, you know, people don't want to hear that type of thing. Um, but once again, with the media or just certain agendas, uh, the Christians are always the ones that are painted as being intolerant. And that's unfortunate because that causes them to speak up even less. Well, and we shouldn't be surprised by this. Jesus in John chapter 15 told his disciples, um, the world hates us. Okay, It hates us because we're different from them. It hates us because we represent Christ. It hates us because as we speak out God's word that exposes their sin. And so you know, the world doesn't like us. It hates us. And so we we shouldn't be surprised then when you know suddenly you know we're we're getting this hostile animosity uh, animosity against us because uh, Jesus predicted that in John 15, and, um, you know, the disciples certainly experienced that. Um, believers around the world have experienced that, and uh, now we're experiencing that. So, as I mentioned in the book, this is normal, not strange. This it may has been, it maybe has not been normal for us here, but this is normal for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, Dr. Nyquist, you mentioned also about fearing not. And you say in your book that while we have the biblical options of fleeing, defending ourselves, and standing firm when we encounter persecution, fear isn't an option. We may have a natural fear of the physical and emotional pain we could suffer if we're punished, but the Bible says we're not to be afraid of our enemies, and you make a case for that. So um, what kind of mandate would would you give or encouragement to pastors that really need to drive this message home that's in your book? <laughs> well, I was you know I've served in a local church for 18 years before I became uh, missions president and then the president of Moody. So I certainly know what it means to minister among the flock on a Sunday morning, and I know how uh, it was easy for me to take all these passages 
that are found in the New Testament, and there are they're all over the New Testament. Most of the New Testament was written to the persecuted church, um, and it was easy to take those passages and not apply them to us because we weren't going through that. And so, you know, it's easy then to apply it to, you know, our brothers and sisters in China or in Islamic countries or wherever. Well, it's now important, I believe, for pastors uh, who are leading their flock to to be very honest with these these truths that are found in God's Word and, and recognize that these are written for us. We're going to be facing this. And now let's open up these New Testament verses and look what they have to say for us now. And if we do that, we're going to be fine because the flock of the shepherds will be teaching the flock about what God expects for us. If we just ignore all this, uh, well, then uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be shocking, and I'm afraid um, many believers will not live in a way that uh, pleases our God. Yes. Well, this is going to hit close to home because, of course, you're, you know that you're the president of Moody Bible Institute. I don't have to remind you that. But as far as uh, you dealing with some of these things that are that are in your book, of course, once again, prepare, it's called Living Your Faith in an Increasingly Hostile Culture. Uh, as a president, what do, are some of the issues that you're dealing with there at, in Moody in Chicago or even in Moody Bible Radio that to come from this disbelieving world we live in? Well, we're anticipating things. As I mentioned, uh, we're expecting that religious freedoms are going to continue to erode in this country. And for a Bible college like we have here, a seminary like we have here, uh, we're anticipating that there are you know several different ways in which pressure could be put upon us. Uh, first, they could take away our tax-exempt status. They'd say if you do not uh, go along with... Uh, these cultural values, if you don't embrace them, then uh, you're no longer going to get the, uh, you know, the luxury of having, uh, you know, give tax deductions and live on, you know, on tax-exempt property. Um, they could also take away our accreditation. Uh, Gordon College out in Massachusetts had a little brush with that in the past year when their accrediting agency uh, told them that, uh, uh, they were they were maybe in jeopardy of losing it because of their stand on you know gay marriage and homosexual behavior, um, and they we also know they could take away um, you know funding for the federal loan program and other things like that that our students enjoy. So there are many different ways that uh, uh, you know the government um, authorities can put pressure on us and uh, expect us to conform. Um, but what we're seeking to do is already anticipate that. If this happens, what are we going to do? If this happens, what are we going to do? And try and be proactively thinking through that so that when they do happen, that we have already you know, thought through that carefully, biblically, and know how we're going to respond. Uh, and I would encourage you know, pastors and other ministry leaders to be doing the same thing. Um, because maybe right now you're not experiencing much persecution or pressure in your zip code. Um, but it's going to come. And uh, when it comes, uh, it's better to already have thought through these issues and planned out what you think God would have you do uh, than react uh, and, uh, you know, and maybe not honor him like you could. Yes. And always in persecution, though, it seems that God's plan is so the word of God goes out there. I mean, if you look from the Israelites in the Old Testament, 
if you look at the uh, New Testament and the church and how God scattered, it seems like through persecution always, that was always how the word of God was able to go forward into this disbelieving world. Uh, Paul was certainly persecuted, and and uh, he praised God for these uh, moments because he, he knows that he gets the glory, uh, even through uh, uh, persecution. Um, and what I'd like to also mention, and I'm, I'm so glad you talk about it, you talk about revival, and I almost forgot <laughs> that there is revival, that there has been revival in the past. And uh, personally, I mean, you've seen, I'm sure, these wonderful evangelists, and uh, of course we don't know what's happened to so many of them today, but uh, revival really happened. And you, you, again, give us a history lesson, a brief history of American revivals. Can you see that happening again? Well, the reason I, I gave that history, Michael, was to encourage people. I try and leave people with hope at the end. This is can, It can sound pretty depressing uh, to people if they just think, oh, things are bad and they're going to get worse, and, and I believe that's the case. But there is always hope for the believer in Jesus Christ because God could choose to sovereignly visit this land again with a fresh spiritual revival. And every time that he's done that, and this is why I documented in the book, there has been massive cultural change. Uh, people's hearts are changed, and as people's hearts are changed, their values change, and when values change, law changes, culture changes. And that happened over and over again if you track it. So we do have that before us. God still is sovereign. And he could choose to do that if we humble ourselves as a nation and call out to him desperately. And we need to be praying to that end. Um, you know, we we don't control God. Uh, he is sovereign. He can do what he chooses, and he will. But if we humble ourselves, I think that at least we have the chance that he may show mercy on us one more time. Yes. And, you know, of course, throughout that persecution, the Christian is to act differently. Uh, when you say in Chapter 4 here, bless uh, blessed, not cursed, you know, uh, blessed, not cursed, that blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. That's Matthew 5.11. Mm-hmm. So that's always, for me, been, been a toughie, you know, because I know Scripture, I can tell people, but uh, under under that kind of testing, when the fire is hot, and uh, these are the circumstances we're living in today, uh, that's when the world wants to see that, oh, my goodness, you know, the world would fight back or revile or say something nasty, whereas the Christian says, bless you in the name of Jesus. And so that's for everybody, but certainly mature Christians get that. Well, I, I, I this is probably my, my deepest concern through this book is that believers respond in a godly way when this happens. And again, our natural, normal response, because we're still good sinners at our core, our normal, natural response it will be to retaliate. When things are taken away, when we're punished unjustly, uh, we are going to want to fight back, uh, and uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and that's not what God wants for us. He says, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And we've never really grappled carefully with those words. Love your enemies? I mean, that's, we're talking about biblical love, seeking their very best. That's biblical love. Praying for them, interceding before God on their behalf. 
That's what God is expecting of us. And that's what Jesus did. In 1 Peter 2, it talks about how he is the model. He did not revile while being reviled. And so this is how we're to navigate this path. It's not going to be easy, but there is something that God wants for us to, to live out in this world. And if we do that, I believe that the world is going to come and say, how can you do this? You're being treated so poorly, and yet you continue to live with grace and and kindness. Tell me about this hope that is within you, as Peter talks about. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for us to explain about the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of this persecution in ways never possible before. I agree. That's well said, for sure. Um, So we have just a little bit of time left, and if you had to, in just a minute or two, teach, let's just say, a master class and tell Christians right now uh, how to handle themselves. And, and, you know, in the midst of persecution, not only what would you say and give us just kind of like a little guidebook, a summary, if you will, but also where do you see, my final question, where do you see it all going 20 or 30 years from now? (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, let me answer the first question first. How? What do I say to believers? Here's what I say to them. We have, we have reasons to have hope and courage in the midst of her persecution because every member of the Godhead, our, the, our Trinitarian Godhead, is going to be helping us in the midst of that. The, our, the Father reigns on the throne. He is sovereign, and he will govern everything that happens. Nothing escapes his control. We can trust and rest in that. The the Son is by his side as our advocate, and he is the one who is the example for us who we are to follow. That's why Hebrews 12 says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who went through all of this and yet was not, you know, was our example. That's, Jesus is our example. He is our advocate, and then the Spirit lives within us. And Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to say in that day. The Spirit will give you the words you need to say. He is the power source. So every member of the Godhead is going to help us through that. So be encouraged, believers. Uh, God's going to be with us. Now, where is this all going in 20, 30 years? Uh, Michael, I would say we have no idea because it is accelerating so quickly today. Um, I don't think anyone that I know of, guessed that it was going to go quite this fast. It is going quickly, and I think it's going to only accelerate. And so in 20 or 30 years, I, you know, my, my own heart goes out to my kids and my grandkids because they're going to be growing up in a world that is much, much different than the one that I grew up in. Um, and so, it's, I, I, you know, again, unless God revisits this land with a revival, that's where it's going to be, and it's going to continue to accelerate. But yes, God's sovereign, and He will rule. Yes, them. Amen. He will be with them. Amen. I mean, we have uh, the Ten Commandments taken out of school, the name of Jesus taken out of school, crosses being taken away, uh, uh, you know, a gay marriage and so forth. But uh, there's there's a witness here, and Christians, uh, you know, have uh, they've been entrusted with that glorious hope, the gospel. Dr. Paul Nyquist, he is the president of Moody. Bible Institute and Moody Bible Radio, all of Moody. <laughs> so you've taken the, uh, your time. We appreciate that. The book is called Prepare, Living Your Faith in Increasingly Hostile Culture. You've been such a blessing. Thank you for giving us, keeping us honest, and helping us live Christian lives in the midst of persecution. We appreciate that. 
been my pleasure, Michael. God bless you.